We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. Turn in your Bible to Psalm 119. I'll get there in just a minute. We're going to begin in verse 153 for our text. So if you'll turn there and be ready, we'll get there in just a few minutes. Heard the story about the two friends who argued all the time about what color Jesus was. One of them said he's white. The other one said he's black. They argued their whole lives. Just so happened they died on the same day and appeared before the pearly gates. They said to Peter, can you tell us what color is Jesus? About that time, Jesus walked up and he said, buenos dias, hermanos. (laughs) Come on, let him out of the box. That's what I'm telling you. Let him out of the box today. Your thinking is too small. God is much greater and much bigger. Let him do what he wants to do in your life this morning and be amazed at the result. Amen? Amen. We look around us today and we see the condition of our culture, the state of apostasy that's happening in the church. We see church leaders denying and turning their back on the Lord Jesus Christ saying, it's all a sham. It was never real. We look to our streets and we see the levels of violence rising all around us. We see things happening and tragedies occurring that cannot be reconciled in our mind. And we're reminded of the words that Timothy wrote, or Paul wrote to Timothy, when he said, in the last days, perilous times shall come. Men will be lovers of themselves rather than God. Lovers of pleasures, heady, high-minded traitors, and on and on he goes. You see, friend, we need to recognize that, in fact, we are living as the church in the final day of earth's history. I spent a year, over a year, teaching the book of Revelation on Wednesday night. My only goal was to wake somebody up and help us to realize this is the last day. It's time to be shaken from a lethargy. It's time to put on the robes of righteousness, embrace the Spirit of God, and let God do something in us that will affect our world. We look around and we see human life is devalued. I can remember 20, 25 years ago, I was in Southern Asia, working in a country that was closed to the gospel. And I overheard a conversation that two guys were talking about hiring another to kill somebody. And they could do that in that country for the equivalent of five cents, one nickel. And I thought, what a tragedy. What a devaluation of human life. But do you realize just a couple of months ago, there were two teenagers less than a mile from where I stand shot another one over 50 cents. It's happening all around us. We have to wake up and realize we are in fact living in the last days. It's not the time for the church to wring its hands, to shake its head, to say, oh me, it's time for the church to be revived so that we can take the message of the gospel to those who have never heard. You see, we're seeing cause and effect. Cause and effect. The cause happened in 1973 when Roe v. Wade became a decision of the Supreme Court that we could kill babies in the mother's womb. We devalued human life. That was the cause. The effect is what we're seeing on our streets today. 
Mass shootings, violence at every hand, gang activity, drugs and alcohol abuse increasing every moment. It's cause and effect. When we devalue what God has created, we reap the effect of the whirlwind. We reap the effect of Satan killing, destroying everything that's in his path. Church, it's time to wake up and realize we don't want to live there. But the only answer to the problem is not another law. My goodness, we have tens of thousands of laws on the books and we can't obey them. That's why when Isaiah wrote to the people of Israel, he said, your righteousness is as filthy rags in the sight of God. Because they had a law they lived by. The Pharisees had 365 things they had to do in order to be righteous. And Isaiah is saying, it doesn't matter if you cross every T and dot every I in the law, you still don't measure up. That's why Jesus came, so that it wasn't our righteousness, but it was his righteousness that now adorns us, and we stand before the Father as the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. See, another law isn't going to help us. A politician has never been born that can get us out of this problem. It's not going to happen. Your hope is not in the Capitol or in Washington, D.C. Our hope is only in the living God and the agency. The agency. Listen to me. The agency that he is destined to reach this world with good news. And that agency is you and me. We're called the church. Jesus said upon the rock of Peter's confession, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Upon that confession, I will build my church and the gates of hell, every demonic force, every plan of the enemy, every hellish thing that could be unleashed will not prevail against it. It is time for the agency of the church to rise up in revival, to rise up in renewal, to rise up in fervor and power of the Holy Ghost and go make a difference. Church needs to be revived. Revived. Listen, if you come to church to walk the clock, you come for the wrong reason. If you come to church to impress somebody in your family, you're coming for the wrong reason. Listen to me, single people. If you got somebody you're dating coming to church to impress you, get away from them. Run as fast as you can run. Because I assure you, the moment you tie the knot, they're going to forget all about impressing you because now they got you. And they don't need to impress you anymore. It's time for church people, children of God, to wise up, stand up, and be what God has called us to be. He has not called us to be doormats. He has not called us to be milk toast. He has not called us to apologize for the gospel of Jesus Christ. He has called us to preach the word, to live the word, to carry the word in our lives, to be revived every single day. That's what he's calling us to. The answer is not in politicians. Matter of fact, you can read it in Psalm 119, verse 149. It says, your word revives me by your justice. You can read it in Psalm 119, 50. Your word has given me life. Can I ask you, how long has it been since you picked up this book outside of a Sunday morning? Getting quiet in here now, isn't it? 
That preacher just doesn't know we don't like to come when he steps on our toes. This preacher knows that when the Holy Spirit convicts you, you will change and you will want to come back. That's what this preacher knows. I'm not here to please you. I'm here to please a living God. And if that unsettles you, if that disturbs you, then pour on the fire. More, more, more. Because the only thing that brings change in our life is the convicting power of the Holy Ghost. It's all that brings you. See, we're living in a church age that thinks everything is permissible. They read something Paul wrote and they said, I'm going to apply that while ignoring the rest of Scripture. You can't take one portion of Scripture out of context and then make it your mantra for life. You've got to read the book from Genesis to Revelation. You've got to apply every doctrine, every word. Do we always do everything that says? No, we fail. But that's why he says, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from that unrighteousness. Well, I'm not holding up a standard of perfection. I'm holding up a standard of righteousness. There's a world of difference between those two. We need to understand that God wants to bring change in his church so his church will bring change to the world. Isaiah 1.27, the prophet again speaking to the nation of Israel said, Zion will be revived, redeemed with justice. When you read the Psalms and you identify them as a Psalm of David, you'll see the theme throughout revival, revival, revival. Now to the Western church, Revival means we hold a special service two or three times a year, bring in a special speaker, have some special music. That's what the scripture's talking about. God doesn't care about our special services. God cares about our heart. God wants to know what's happening in here. He's not interested in the outward show that we can put on that impresses everybody. He's interested in how do you walk when you leave the building? How do you live when you leave the company of those that you call church members? Is your life living the standard of the Word of God? So I wrote these words in Psalm 119, beginning in verse 153. Consider my affliction and deliver me. I do not forget your law. Plead my cause and redeem me. Revive me according to your word. Did you underline that? Revive me according to your word. I want you to hear me. Revival and being revived is not about some outward manifestation. Revival and being revived is not about running to this preacher or chasing this convention or listening to this teacher. Being revived occurs by the word of God and the word of God only. When the Holy Ghost takes the Word of God and melts it into your heart and infuses you with eternal truth, then you're revived. Until then, you can chase every preacher, go to every convention, watch every teacher on TV, and you will not be changed because they don't change you. The Word changes you. Revive me by your Word. Salvation is far from the wicked, he said in verse 155. They do not seek your statutes. Great are your tender mercies, O Lord. Listen to it. Here he comes again. Revive me. Revive me according to your judgments. Many are my persecutors and my enemies. Yet I do not turn from your testimonies. I see the treacherous and am disgusted because they do not keep your word. Consider how I love your precepts. 
Hear it again. Revive me, O Lord, according to your loving kindness. The entry of your word is truth. And every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. In that brief passage, three times David used the Hebrew word hayah, which is revive me. Revive me. It's in your outline. You can read it. It's in your bulletin. It means to revive, to keep alive, to give promise of life, to quicken, to recover, to repair, to restore, to be whole. So my question in this room today, how many are ready to be revived? I'm standing in the need of prayer, oh Lord. That's what the old hymn said, right? I'm ready to be revived. Lord, I want some restoration. I want some recovery. I want some life. I want a promise for tomorrow booming in my life because your word says when you revive me, that's what happens. That's what happens. Notice, he didn't say anything about dancing and shouting, singing, did he? However, that's often the outward focus or manifestation of what he's doing on your heart on the inside. Do you know and do you understand you don't have enough strength to contain the Holy Ghost of God and when he moves upon you, you just respond to him. That's why last Sunday morning, these ladies right here led a Jericho march around the sanctuary because God moved in them. Something occurred. The Holy Ghost was so full. They said, we can no longer stand still. We got to get up and show what God is doing and practice a step of faith to declare our God is able. Somebody needs to understand it's time for revival to sweep this place. Are you ready to be quickened? Are you ready to recover? Are you ready to be restored, to be repaired, to be made whole? That's what revival means. Put a little test in your bulletin. I don't have time to go through it all, but I want to give you the answers. You right now, take your pencil. And if you can answer yes to any of those questions, circle it. If you can't answer yes, don't circle it. Do you look forward to encountering the Holy Spirit? Are you willing to make sacrifices to encounter the Holy Spirit? What does that mean? It means you get your carcass out of bed and you come to church. It means you get up and study the Word. It means that when a prayer meeting is called, you're there. Do you understand we're praying every Wednesday night right here in this sanctuary? And if you weren't here last week, what a powerful time when the Spirit of God came down and touched hearts and touched lives. It's not about preaching in that service. It's about prayer because God responds to prayer. Have you made a sacrifice in order to be in the presence of the Holy Spirit? Do you spend time reading God's Word in private or in a small group? During the last year, have you felt convicted while reading the Bible? If you haven't, then you're just kind of skimming. You're not reading. Because every time I open that book, there is something that pierces my heart and says you can be a better person if you allow me to do a work in you. During the last year, have you wept when realizing what Jesus did for you? Now, that's just emotionalism. I don't do that. Let me tell you something. If you get a full grasp of what he did, what he endured, what he has done, it'll make you cry. It'll make you cry. During the last year, on a regular basis, have you expressed joy and worship because of God's presence? That's why I encourage you in this place, let's shout, let's worship, let's sing, because we should express the joy of the Lord in our worship. 
Oh, listen, we're not worshiping an idol made from hands, carved by man. We are worshiping the living God, the one who was alive and was dead, and now is alive forevermore. The Alpha, the Omega, the first and the last, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Savior, the Deliverer, the soon-coming King. Somebody have some joy in your worship. Express that joy in your worship. Have you noticed positive changes in your life because of God's Word? I already told you, I spoke it over you. You're not leaving here like you came. You will be changed when you walk out that door because that's what God's Word does. Have you recently started to obey one of God's commands because of the increased presence of the Holy Spirit? Have you stopped saying, now that's really not for me. That's really not for me. And if you started saying, whatever you want from me, God, I'm going to do. And if you say it, I'm going to obey. Have you recently responded quickly to a new truth from God's Word? See, here's, here's the way you grade that. Count them up. If you had eight or nine of them as yeses, you're on fire for God. Congratulations. You're where God wants you to be. God's moving in your life. You're smoking. You're on fire. But if you can only score six or seven on that test... Oh, there's some life there. You're glowing, but the fire isn't burning. There's just the glow of the embers. If you can only circle four or five, those embers are about to die out. You need to blow and fan the flame. You need to throw some new fuel on the fire. And if you scored three or less, you may as well just admit it. I'm dead as a carcass. I'm the dry bones from Ezekiel's vision. But the good news is God can put dry bones back together and breathe life into them and bring revival. Come on, folks. It's time to understand God wants to revive his church. What God started in this place last week, he wants to continue. Now, let me caution you because this is where we go as humans. We have a service like we had last Sunday where God comes down and the glory falls and people are touched. I had three reports, three that I heard about, of people being healed during the service. Nobody prayed for them, nobody prayed over them. God just touched them. That's what happens. But here's the caution. When we experience that, we want to go back and do it again. You know, if that preacher just have communion, every service would see this happening. You know, if we just sing those songs again, we'd see this happening. Oh, do you understand? God is not at last Sunday. God is not at last month. God is not in last year or a decade ago. He's the God of today. He's moving as a river. He's blowing as the wind. And it's up to you and I to follow him, not to build our camp in what we once experienced. Because when we start setting up tents and where we were last whatever, we miss what God's doing today. It's time to follow the wind of the Spirit. That's when revival occurs, when we follow Him. So my question is, are you ready for revival? If you're ready, you've got to be forward-looking and forward-thinking. You cannot have your eyes on yesterday. Now, it's all right to remember. I love telling stories. I love to talk about what God has done. But I am not going to quantify what he will do on the basis of yesterday. I want to give him liberty. I want to take the, take the shackles. I want to take him out of that box 
that says, because this is the way you did it last year, last week, last month, 10 years ago. It's the way you have to do it today. Can I tell you, Holy Ghost is a creative genius. He can come up with something new all the time. It's just up for you and I to follow him and let him do it. Let him do it. But when we get sucked into looking backward, we miss what he's doing today. We've got to look forward. My kids were little. They all played sports. So I had to teach them how to catch, how to throw a ball. And I can remember I started them when they were young. And I would teach them, I've got the ball in my hand. You keep your eyes on this ball. Don't watch anything else. And I'm going to throw it right to you. Hold your glove up there. I'm going to throw it right in your glove. I had to teach them to keep their eye on the ball because if they failed to look at the ball, they missed the catch every time. How many times have you seen a football player out for a long pass, the field is open before him, and he sees what he can do, he can score, and when that ball hits him, it hits him in the hands, bounces off because he took his eye off the ball and was looking to what he was going to do next. Somebody in this room needs to hear me. Get your eye on the ball. Get your eye on what God is doing. Keep your eyes on Him and watch what He'll do through you. It's the same principle. We've got to be looking forward. When, that, when I was teaching them to bat, this is so funny. In April, I was in South Texas with Mindy and Matt, our son and daughter-in-law there. They have four kids. Spencer's the youngest. He's five years old. He was playing t-ball. I got to go watch him play t-ball. And t-ball, y'all understand, you put the ball on a tee, and then they hit it, right? Well, Spencer was playing pitcher. He doesn't have a ball. He's not going to throw the ball. But every time they're getting ready to put that ball on the bat, his daddy would say to him, Spencer, get baseball ready. And he would get down in his stance. His glove would be up. He was ready. And when they were getting ready to hit the ball, I, it's so funny, I ought to show you the video sometime. He would pull that glove up to his chest, look at the pitcher, or look at for a home plate, pull his leg up, and then throw the ball. He didn't have a ball. He wasn't the pitcher. It was on the tee. It didn't matter, but he was ready. When a runner got on first, he'd stand there on the mound, turn and look back over at first, look at home plate, and then throw that air ball to first base. He didn't have a ball, but it didn't matter. He was ready for what was happening. Oh, come on, somebody needs to hear me. You may not be where you want to be. You may not have what you want to have, but it's time to get Holy Ghost ready and say, God, I'm in the game. Do with me what you want to do. Let him move through your life. Be looking forward to what God is going to do. Oh, I love that sound. You hear that? It's raining. You know what that means? You're not going to leave anytime soon. You know what that means? Oh, I can go all day. Amen. I put batteries in the clock before service. And Melissa, where are you? Stand up over there. Y'all need to quit sitting in the dark. Come out in the light. Stand up right over there, Melissa Google. She said to me, you took that clock out. And I thought that meant we were going to go all day. I said, we are to bring a sandwich. We have to be ready, looking forward to what God is going to do in our lives. God is saying to you and I today, to this church, get ready. Get Holy Ghost ready. Get in position. 
You see, we need people in positions. We need some folks working in the pre- preschool department. If you're just coming in and sitting and soaking, shame on you. Give your energies back to God. Serve Him in the kingdom. We need to be ready for what God is going to do. We need ushers. We need greeters. We need people in kid power who will minister to our children, who will stand up and say, I'm not one who sits and soaks. I'm one who sits and spreads what God is doing. Be ready. Be Holy Ghost ready because I am convinced God is about to bring a harvest into this place that will marvel and amaze, that will cause people to say, this is not the work of man. This is the hand of God. Do you hear me? There are hungry people, tens of thousands of hungry people looking for a place to encounter God. All that they need is for one of us to say, why don't you come join me? Why don't you come worship with me? Let's come find what I've found. Oh, come on, church. It's time to be Holy Ghost ready and let him put you in the game. We're going to take another step towards that in September. Entire month of September. There's only 30 days, so you get a break, okay? Then there's 31 days in most other months. Only 30 in September. Y'all with me? Is that rain putting you to sleep? Maybe we need to put some music on behind me, Nancy. Made him get up and move around. The entire month of September is going to be fasting and prayer. We're bringing back the Saturday night prayer meeting through the month of September. Oh, I'm challenging you. Set aside time to seek God, to pray, to ask Him to move in your life. Make a sacrifice to God and allow Him to do something in you. That's what fasting does for us. That's what prayer does for us. We need to understand we'll never replicate what happened last week, and I don't want to. Because that was a time of celebration, time of great joy. A great burden was broken off of this church. Do I need to tell you again? $7.4 million in debt broken off of this church. That ought to be reason to rejoice. But it's done, and I'm looking forward to what's next. What's next? What's next is revival for his church, making us ready. We need to understand that people can sit in the presence of the living God, powerful services, and walk out empty for one reason. They're not ready. They're not ready. They haven't prepared their hearts. They haven't allowed God to do what he wants in their lives, and they're not ready. It goes right over their head. I don't think that's Bible. Well, you should read it because it is. Do you remember when the early church in Jerusalem had so many people that had so many needs because they were from out of town, they couldn't take care of them. So Barnabas went and sold a piece of his property, gave all the money to the church to feed and to care for those who had needs. Ananias and Sapphira saw that, how well he was revered, how much esteem he received from it. He didn't do it for that. He did it because God told him to. So they went and did the same thing. They sold a piece of property. Only one little tweak. They kept part of it back. Now listen, it was theirs. They could do what they wanted with it. God didn't say, give me all of it. But they went and they told Peter, we sold the property. Here's the money. And he said, is this all of it? Because the Holy Ghost revealed it to him. And Ananias said, yes, that's all of it. Bam, he fell dead in the presence of God. 
Three hours later, his wife came in, told the same lie. Bam, she fell dead in the presence of God. I'm telling you, you can be in the presence of God and walk out empty if you're not ready to receive. If you're moving from the wrong motivation, from the wrong position, God will not honor that. What holds us back? The past holds us back. The past keeps us from receiving what God has for today. I've already said it, but I'll say it again. Holy Spirit is a river. He moves as He will and He pleases. If you've ever been around a river, you know that channel doesn't stay the same. Every time there's a big rain, the channel changes. We need to understand when God begins raining Holy Ghost upon us, the channel, our perceived way of Him doing things changes because He changes. And we can't sit back here saying, but God, you were at this bend in the river last year. Come back here. He's saying, no, I've forged a new channel. Come and follow me. Watch what I am doing here. He said the Holy Spirit is a wind. He blows where He pleases. Jesus, oh friend, hear and understand. Stop living in yesterday and get ready for today. Get ready, be forward thinking. Second thing that keeps us from experiencing revival is the pressures of life. Problems and circumstances. There's an Old Testament scripture, a story actually. In 2 Kings chapter 3, about Jehoram who was Ahab's son who was king over Israel, and Jehoshaphat, who was the righteous king over Judah. The kingdoms were divided, not united. So there were two kings over the nation of Israel. And the armies of Moab came against Jehoram, where his capital was at in Samaria, and they were going to destroy him. So he reached out to Jehoshaphat, and he said, hey, brother, will you come and help me? So Jehoshaphat did. And they went down through the wilderness to the place they're going to have a battle, only there was no water. They traveled for days, no water for the men or for the animals. They were about to die. And when that happened, then they began to understand, we've got to hear from God. They kind of got the cart before the horse. Haven't we done that as well? We make a plan, and then God says, hey, why don't you consult me first? I know I'm the only one that's ever done that. I see it in your eyes. I'm the only one that's ever got ahead of him. So Jehoshaphat said, isn't there a prophet in Israel? Jehoram, the son of Ahab, the wicked king said, well, there's that rascal Elisha, but he never says anything good about me. And so Jehoshaphat said, let's go see him. And when they came to Elisha's house, Elisha looked at Jehoram, and then he looked at Jehoshaphat. And then he said these words in verse 14. As the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, if it weren't that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I wouldn't look at you, Jehoram. What's he saying? That man's a worshiper. That man is ready. That man is forward thinking. That man isn't going to let the pressures of life turn him away from God, but let them drive him to God. And because of that, I'm going to pray God's going to give an answer. And that's exactly what happened in that passage of Scripture. You can read it yourself. Do you hear what I'm saying? When we position ourselves to be ready and not allow the pressures of life to distract us, to turn us away, God shows up strong and powerful. I was talking to someone this last week and they said, I hadn't seen him for a while. They said, how's your year been? I said, well, it's been interesting. What do you mean? Well, in July, we married our last two daughters. 
Then in October, I was scheduled for knee replacement, and my knee was full of infection, so they couldn't replace it. And I went on IV antibiotics, and three weeks later, I was back in the hospital because the infection turned septic, and I was about to die. And then in February, I had another surgery, and finally, my knee got fixed. Well, that's not so bad. I said, oh, I forgot to tell you, my dad died in January. Oh, that's terrible. Oh, I forgot to tell you, my wife's mother died in March. Oh, that's terrible. You see, friend, if we allow the pressures of life to discourage us, to distract us, to turn us away from the mission and the calling of God, we will fail every time. We'll end up sitting around with our hands in our head saying, what in the world is going on? How did I get to that place? But if we turn to the living God, if we say, I am ready, it doesn't matter what I'm going through because I'm going through. I will be a victor. I will be a conqueror. I'm going through. God shows up every time, every time, every time. So stop moaning. Stop groaning and complaining. Sometimes I wish I did live in the Old Testament because when they complained against Moses, God just opened up the ground and swallowed them. End of that argument. But we live in the age of grace. And because we live in the age of grace, God takes moaners, groaners, gripers, and complainers just like you and just like me, and he transforms us into praisers and worshipers who don't look at the circumstances of life, but put our eyes on the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one who humbled himself and took upon himself the form, the fashion of a man who died on a cross, who rose again on those somebody. Will you give him praise? He's here today for those who are ready. What else holds us back? Familiar sins. Things that we do over and over and over again that are displeasing to God. Things that we know are wrong, but we just don't want to quit it. Come on, I'm talking to some of you. You know that behavior is wrong. You just don't want to quit it. You enjoy it. It's familiar to you. It makes you feel good. I tell you today, it's time to stop it because you will never be revived. You'll never be who God has called you to be until you abandon that place of familiarity with your sin and with your past and you embrace the presence of the living God who transforms you and changes you every single moment of every single day. I can tell you there are things I did 40 years ago I wouldn't think about doing today. So I've been changed. There are things I did a year ago I wouldn't do today because I've been changed. There are things I did last Monday I wouldn't do today because I do hear what I'm saying. When we put ourselves in a position to let God change us, that familiar sin is broken off. It's destroyed, done away with. Oh, those of you that say, I'm an alcoholic, stop saying that. You need to say, I'm a born-again child of the living God. I'm saved. I'm delivered. I'm healed. I'm full of the Holy Ghost. That thing no longer has a hold on me. I'm not going to confess that the devil and his crowd have a hook in my flesh. I'm going to confess by the blood of Jesus Christ I've been set free. Somebody needs to get that in their heart today. Familiar sense. Isaiah 57, 15 says, I restore the crushed spirit of the humble. I revive the courage of those with repentant hearts. Tom, come back. If we refuse to repent when God convicts us, you know what happens? 
it gets easier and easier and easier to resist. Until at some point, we don't even notice it anymore. It becomes so familiar to us, so easy for us, so natural for it to occur. I talked to a kid last week right out here in the parking lot. I walked up to him, he had just finished cussing up a storm. He knew who I was, he said, oh, I'm sorry, Reverend. I said, you don't apologize to me, you weren't cussing me, you were cussing God. Just stop it! Well, I can't. Yes, you can. Would somebody hear what I'm saying? You need to determine that the power of Jesus Christ is greater than the temptation and the allurement of the flesh. It's time to stand up and say, I'm stopping it. I'm quitting it. I'm giving it up. I'm not going back. It will no longer keep me from being who God wants me to be. Familiar sin. Stop it. Stop it. Say, it's not that easy. Oh, really it is. Really, it is. You know what made the difference? When Pastor Mike and Amy decided they weren't going to take heroin anymore? They made a decision. They made a decision. We're not doing that. You know what made the difference? In the alcoholic, when he stopped drinking, he made a decision. I'm not doing that anymore. It's destructive. It destroys my body. It destroys my mind. It destroys my emotions. It destroys my finances. It destroys my home. It destroys my marriage. It destroys my kid children. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's time to quit it and move on in the power of God. I'm not sure I can do that. I'm sure you can't. I'm sure you can't. But I'm sure when you make a decision to stop it, and you call upon the name of a living God to come and help you, to aid you, to fight for you, to be before you, behind you, and around you. When you say, I will no longer practice this familiar sin that is destroying me, but rather I turn to the Lord my God. I lift up my praises to Him. I declare His worth and His wonder. And in that moment, He comes and does something in you. Will it be an immediate release? I don't know. Sometimes it is, but sometimes you have to go through detox. I grew up as a kid on a farm in Western Oklahoma. Started chewing tobacco when I was 12 years old. When I got saved when I was 20, I knew I had to give that habit up. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed, but I kept going back to the store and buying another package. Back to the store and buying another package. Two years it took me to completely kick that habit, to be gone in my life. But it was two years where I grew, where I learned, where I understood how frail I was and how strong he is. Oh, come on. Just because you tried and you failed, get up and try again. Make the decision today. That familiar sin will no longer bind me. I'm going to be revived. I'm going to recover. I'm going to be restored. I'm going to be renewed by the presence of God. Do what you want in me, God. Do what you want in me. Peter said in Acts chapter 3, verses 19 and 20, repent of your sins. Turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. And then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. He again will send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. Stand to your feet. Are you ready? Are you ready to be revived? 
Are you ready for what God has in store for your life personally, for your family, and for this church? Are you ready? Tom, sing it out. Sing it out. Come on, sing it out. When I think about the Lord. Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church, we invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida. A multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com.